Hi, and welcome to the second chapter, the podcast where Kristen Duffy, the founder and producer behind Slackline Productions, that's me, talks to women who started the second, third, or even fourth or fifth chapter in their lives and careers after the age of 35. Before we got too far with the second chapter podcast, I thought it was only fair to turn the tables. So today I'm joined by my lovely friend and actor turned business coach turned actor again, Marcia Tucker. Marcia is going to give me a dose of my own medicine and presumably find out a bit more about my own career journey and why the second chapter and Slackline Productions' mission of telling the stories of women 35 plus is so important to me. I want to show as many people that will listen. I want to scream out and show as many people that will listen that women have not disappeared because they've become 35 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or whatever. Hi, Kristen. How are you? Hi, Marcia. <laughs> I know. It's so, so. We have to start off with that sort of thing. I now know about podcasts and I know, know about how you know we were in the new normal, so we say, hello, everybody. Anyway, seriously, it's a real pleasure to be interviewing you because now I can find out all about your dark secrets. Oh my God, when you just said that, I just got so nervous. You know, I've been nervous talking to other people because obviously I want to make them comfortable and have a nice chat with them. But when you said you were going to talk to me, I was like, no. <laughs> That's so funny, isn't it? Why is that? That, you know, think about it. You're this strong, resilient woman who's doing some amazing things. And suddenly the tables are turned and you get, you're nervous. Is it because you don't want to sort of become boastful or or whatever, but this is what this is about, isn't it? You want us to be telling you what we do and bigging ourselves up, but now the tables are turned. Why? Why do you think that? That was so weird because it was just such a gut instinct. But I think I don't know. It is weird to talk about yourself, isn't it? It's strange because I think there's a stereotype because I'm American that you do big yourself up. You know, it's an American mm-hmm. thing that we're like, yeah, and supposedly English people are so, mm-hmm. you know, what word do I even want to use? Reserved. Reserved, exactly. And they par- apparently have a better vocabulary as well. <laughs> well, we'll put that one to one side. <laughs> but I think, I think when it comes to talking about, about yourself, I'm not very good at the whole fake it till you make it kind of thing. And It was something when I moved here too, because there's so many American stereotypes that I feel like maybe I've kind of not dumbed myself down, but I'm so afraid of seeming over the top as an American in England that I kind of think that it is a thing that, you know, maybe my personality has become not muted. God knows (laughs) my personality (laughs) has not become muted, but I am worried about maybe becoming or sounding too over the top or something as an American, maybe. You made me think about, as a black woman, that people say things like loud black women, you know, that trope. And I, that's something over the years that I have been aware of as I've been growing up. You, know, you don't want to be the loud person. Do you know what I mean? And then you're saying, you know, as an American, you felt that you've had to do that. And that's making me think now. I want to just jump in and ask you, tell us about you, right? Be boastful. Tell me about your career before you became this wonderful entrepreneur that you are now, actor, producer, podcaster. I've always kind of had this thing that I wanted to try everything. Mm -hmm. I say that actually in the trailer to the podcast, but I've always wanted to know about everything and try everything. And I think growing up, I was kind of, I don't know, the smart kid, I guess you could say. 
but it was always in the sort of, you know, English and arts and creative things mm. that I really excelled, I guess. Maths was not necessarily my thing. <laughs> I think because of that, it was always sort of, even though I was doing all these creative things, like growing up, I loved to sing and I played the violin from the time I was tiny. But because I did well in school and I was really good at testing, which I know is a very controversial subject, but I was really good at testing. So when I tested into this college preparatory school, they call it in the States, it was like a free mm -hmm. school to go to, but it was something that I wanted to go to the creative and performing arts school. But because I did well on the test, it just seemed like that was the thing I was going to do. And it wasn't pressure from my parents, but I was also 11. <laughs> I just kind of made this own, my own decision. But looking back, I should have gone to the creative <laughs> and performing arts school because that's what I always loved to do. And that's what I did all through high school. So basically, you went to the school, but you were still yearning to be this creative person. Exactly. So when you finished, you, you embarked into you know, life, what was your first job? So I started studying communications and history as a weird convoluted way to try to get into broadcast journalism, ironically, now that I'm kind of doing some of this. <laughs> but um, I ended up changing majors in college to become or university to become um, to study fashion design. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom saying, but you don't know how to sew. <laughs> but I was like, they'll teach me. And that's why I'm going to school. <laughs> so I did go through fashion. I actually really loved the school part. Mm -hmm. But we had to do a lot of internships. And even when I was interning, I thought, I like the school. I don't think I like the job. But I graduated and went into a fashion job. Right. Uh -huh. And did you learn to sew? Yeah, I actually had to learn to sew. And, uh, <laughs> you know, to the point that we were doing a big runway show for our senior project and everything. I mean, we did yeah. runway shows always, but, you know, a whole like mini collection. And yeah, I, actually sewing was, I mean, I loved hand tailoring. It was like, I got into sewing, really into it. But that's why I really liked the school part because I was making mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And then when I went out into the real world, yeah, I got to draw and it was creative in a sense, but I ended up kind of in a corporate fashion job. My last job before I moved to London was baby boy design director for Gap. And baby Gap's <laughs> the cutest thing in the world. Oh, it is gosh. the cutest thing in the world. When you go in when I'm you know, buying it for you know people, people who've just had babies and things like that, it's always been one of those things, baby Gap. So you designed those little cute things for newborns and toddlers. Yeah. I went back and forth between baby and toddler. And it just, mm -hmm. you know, it was always kind of things falling into place because it was like I started in accessories for kids. And that was because of one of my internships. And I couldn't have asked for better product to design because it was so fun. And that's not what I specialized in in school, but I loved it. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I just, there were so many other things I wanted to do. <laughs> and were you still doing um, drama and, you know, all the creative arts thing in, you know, on the side while you were still, while you were actually designing baby gaps at clothes. I feel like I didn't really have time for it because work was really pretty intense. We worked pretty long hours most of the time. Mm -hmm. A couple times I auditioned for sort of Amdram things in Brooklyn, but never got anything and just always felt kind of like maybe it's not for me and maybe I need to study it more. I actually got into triathlon a bit because I needed something that was more of a release, I feel like, at that point. So I started doing triathlon and I feel like I was still doing creative things like I'd paint sometimes on the weekend and things like that. But mm -hmm. I definitely wasn't, I wasn't fulfilling that acting dream very much at all. It was still in the background. Yeah. I have a, I, I'm getting this sort of sense from you that got this like, um, like the Star Wars like franchise, it was like the hero's journey, you know, that <laughs> you've started off on something. 
and then you've segued into something else, but this little thing going, I'm here, I'm here. And then you're still going on, we want something in life, and then go on and do something else, or you are encouraged to do something else, or we're not brave enough, but it's still there. And the hero's journey, isn't it, that they um, avoiding the call is like the first bit. Yeah. So the call's there, yeah. but it's always avoiding the call. But obviously, in the end, what's meant for you actually will get you in the end. So from then, you moved to England from the States. And this is when it all started. Well, that's when I met you a couple of years. You haven't been here because we met, obviously, um, doing drama, not in the same class, but meeting each other in, you know, in um, the cafeteria and all those sort of things and (laughs) and drinking coffee outside. I have to say, you know, you, you stand out and you're always fuzzy and light and you know and and very easy to sort of talk to so when did how did you get into studying drama so moving to England moving to London with my ex it was kind of like for me everything is always about an adventure (laughs) so I'd been to London through work a couple of times and knew that I was interested whether I knew I wanted to live there or not eh, I'll figure it out and it kind of gave me a good I'm so I'm such a goody two shoes or such a nerd, I guess, in a way that I don't know if I ever would have stopped doing fashion if I lived in New York because it just was like, you can't quit a job that you're, you know, doing well without having some sort of real impetus. Like for me, I could tell the people that I worked with, I have to quit because I'm moving to London. But I couldn't have just said, I'm going to become an actress in New York. I could have kept pursuing this sort of like, you know, trying out for Amdram. But I don't think I would have ever just given it up entirely in London. Just, I mean, in New York, rather. Despite having, you know, a couple times that I was like, I have to do this. I have to do something different. I have to try this. So I think for me, moving to London was a good opportunity to sort of stop. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fashion designer anymore, but I just needed a minute to say, okay, what do I really want to do? Yeah. So I knew I wanted to qualify as a triathlon coach and that opportunity came up and I did it. I didn't want that to be my full-time job, but I wanted it to be something. Then um, a few part-time classes said, yeah, I like this. So I kind of went for it and just auditioned for a full-time drama school two years and got in. Yeah. And it was kind of like skipping a few steps. And I thought, well, if I, if I can get in, I should do it. And I loved it. It was so good. But you know what I think, but that's actually right. And I think sometimes, you know, as you know, we say that, you know, life, you know, you're planning one thing and then life has got this, you know, another path for you. And it's interesting, if you don't mind me saying that you are strong, I'm using the word strong in the way that you know what you want and you go and get things and you, you create things. The idea of actually telling people in New York that you're leaving to go be an actress, you couldn't have done that. But it's like you had to put yourself somewhere else that you didn't have that judgment. Was it a judgment thing, do you think? I think as strong as I feel like I am in my convictions a lot of times, because I really am, like I know I know things, mm-hmm. you know, internally and I kind of put my foot down sometimes. But I also think these were people mm-hmm. that I worked with that I loved. I mean, the people I worked with, I really worked with people I enjoyed working with. The environment could be really mm-hmm. fun. And I think that when somebody's saying, because it was always like this, you move around in fashion. So I did have a few different jobs and it it was always kind of, what can we do to get you to stay? Is it more money? Is it, you know, and money is tempting, of course, but even more so people that you really enjoy working with in a job that does have its own rewards, just makes it for me that made it really hard. So it could have been really easy to twist my arm, I think. And 
I just remember <laughs> them saying, obviously, there's not a lot we can offer you to get you to stay. And I think that was kind of the thing. At that point, because it was actually moving somewhere else and doing something so different, there was no way somebody was going to kind of twist my arm or nobody was ever guilt tripping me. That's not how it is. But for me, it was a guilt trip because I was like, I'm so sorry, because I know it puts people in a bad position to lose, you know, an employee like that. Something about that. Do you think a lot of women who change careers, do you think that's, they have that the same sort of fear that that they need to be put in a certain situation for it to happen because they don't want to upset people. They don't want people to feel that they're letting them down. It's funny because the people I've talked to so far, I feel like for the second chapter have been, it, it is something, you know, that either they weren't encouraged to do something creative at the beginning, or they just didn't have quite that plan. But I do think there is something I don't know what it is, but yeah, I do think there is this sort of sense of responsibility or, I mean, I have five younger brothers and sisters. It wasn't very often that we had a lot of money in my house. I come from a big family as well. Yeah, and you know how it is. Like for me, fashion design was sort of the most responsible, I guess, version. Some sort of design where you could get paid was a responsible way to be creative. And I do kind of think, I mean, even just in my, my old relationship, it was kind of like, well, you don't want to work this job anymore. What do you, you can't just quit. I mean, I, that's a quote that I got. And it was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, you're right. I mean, I need to pull my weight. And he was very trajectory career path. So I think maybe it is as women, we kind of have this, I think a lot of us do have multi-dimension career choices and loves and, and yeah, it is hard to stay on the same path, but I don't know if it comes from guilt that you kind of stick with it or a sense of responsibility. That was a really long way to say, I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's interesting. I just thought I'd throw it in because I I suppose the thing about it is, you know, my time on this earth, but I do sort of notice and I'm not, maybe it's a generalization, but I have noticed that sometimes we as women, we, we, because we've either got families, we said about, are you putting your weight in the relationship or, this is what they expect from me. I come from a big family. You know, we don't have a lot of money. So I'm the one who's the, out there carrying it, doing it for the team. But I also noticed, you know, there are also men I know who, if they want something, whether it's in a relationship, they go and get what they want to get. Absolutely. And, and you know, I've been there myself. I've actually said, go on, you do what you want to do. And because I'll put myself back in the background. Do you know what I mean? So I, I just thought I'd you know, ask that. It's just something, is that a female thing or is it just maybe a, a human being thing? And whatever personalities we Like have. you said at the beginning, or when I was saying, you know, as an American, I've tried to make myself played down a little bit. And then you said you felt the same way as a black woman. Is it like I'm using the American thing as, I don't want to say an excuse, but an excuse, I'll use that for lack of a better term. But really, as women, we just feel the need sometimes to, I don't know, make ourselves more bland or it's not, it's not like, I'm not saying anything revelatory. People know this. Like yeah. we've, we've talked about it as women. Yeah that we do kind of sometimes feel the need or we're told that we need to shut up. (laughs) And it's, I mean, this is, this is the day after the vice presidential debate in America. And one of the things that's coming out of it is Kamala Harris saying, I'm speaking because here's this man who thinks he should just be talking over this woman. Yeah. Well, it just, it's, you know, in school, you know, we talk about in school as well that, you know, girls, that's why this whole thing about being, um, going to all girls school or you know because apparently boys and and girls 
boys are good in uh, in an education system that they actually with girls, but girls are better on their own because then they push forward. So that's one to be to to, to think about. We can think about that. But I want to come back to you. So having done your your, your two year course, right? Then you're out in the world. What I want to know that you are an, an older actress. You decided to become this precarious profession. Were you like, oh my god, when the course is finished? I'm out there now, you know, because now you're not in this schooling environment. You're actually now the actress. What was that like? I feel like it was very twofold because I think, well, I I got an agent right out of drama school, but as it turns out, I didn't go through the right channels as in, you know, she didn't really meet me and audition me and whatever. And I should have kind of had a red flag with that. But I think, you know, the agency was fine, but they were new. I was new. I had this dream of us growing together. And when I accepted my BAFTAs and Academy Awards, I would say, <laughs> I've grown, my agent has grown, and we're so, you know, it didn't work like that. <laughs> I, I know, you know what, when you watch you know, these actresses or actors and they go, I remember there was some guy, um, I can't remember what, what program it was, and he won, uh, it was um, uh, a BAFTA, and he actually said, and my agent, thank you, because they were with me. And I thought, I want to be able to say, yeah, my agent, that, you know, that's <laughs> I know exactly what you want to say. Again, we're living for somebody else. That's if you yeah. think about it. Not for you. I want to say to my agent, thank you so much. You know, but yeah. I had this dream of like this, you know, parallel journey into our growth. <laughs> like I say, didn't happen that way. No, I. I mean, I did have you know some some jobs that were very typical coming out of drama school. I went on a, a theater and education tour which was so much fun. Actually, I got to do Shakespeare, but we did it in like snippets in a funny way to teach kids. It was great. But Uh when you're past a certain age, you can't keep going on theater and education. I mean, you can, but it becomes becomes something that it's like, is this what I want to always be doing? And it tends to be like a straight out of drama school thing. Actually, you know what? But you're absolutely right. And as you know, I've come back into the business. And when I first left drama school, in the yeah. eight, early 80s, late 70s, and I did theatre and education, and it was a rite of passage, you did all that, and it was great. And coming back into the, the business, you see these things, and I think, oh, that would be really good. And I actually think to myself, I'm too old to do it. And I don't mean in terms of, you know, it's like my where I am now, the idea of, you know, travelling in a van and hoisting things up, it, I actually, I don't want to do that anymore. Do I think there's certain stages of the the profession that are for youth and growing if I'm wrong and then then we get to another another phase and I I'm, so you're actually you're in like in the middle aren't you because you're starting off but then like I was kind of in limbo because the things like uh, you know the carrying things off in a van in a way it's another part for me of the, the adventure and traveling around England for me was part of an adventure because I was like you know this is me seeing part of a country that I'm still fairly new to at the time. But I think for me, part of it too, was I can fit in kind of with whoever, but it made me feel like, oh God, I'm like the old lady in this group. And and I'm not an old lady, <laughs> but you know, everybody was like 22. And I thought, God, they are young. I was playing like, you know, in one scene, I was Beatrice and, you know, my Benedict was like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we had to have a very chaste kiss and I was like this guy's probably like oh <laughs> um, but I did feel like it was it was a great rite of passage but I think even you know very young actors eventually say I don't want to do this anymore because I should move on to the next thing but I found that moving on to the next yeah. thing 
like, where's the next thing? It just kind of felt like, you know, you can audition for very low pay or no pay kind of things, but I wasn't finding that next thing. So is that where Slackline came in? Is that why you decided to start up Slackline? The things I did see, even things I wasn't getting auditions for, most of them weren't roles that I was like, God, I would love to play that role because I just don't feel like they exist that much sometimes for, you know, I mean, I picked 35 for Slackline because we start hearing about invisibility, but you start around 40, but you start seeing those roles that are all wife, mom, wife, mom, wife, mom. And it's like, I'm more than wife. And it's like wife without a name sometimes or mom without a name. Yes. Well, it's granny. I'm now granny. And I am in in real life. I'm a grandmother. However, why can't I be, uh, you know, I'm in a relationship. I'm, I, you know, I'm 60, but I have a life, but it's like granny. (laughs) As you said, maybe I'm not a astronaut and the astronaut's such a bad example because everybody could be like oh well Sandra Bullock played an astronaut well I'm not Sandra Bullock I'm Kristen and no one has given me that role yet but we're in a world where women are doing everything but that's still not always represented and it's getting better don't at me and say it's it, that's not true anymore because it's still especially starting out you know at an untraditional time non-traditional time feels very difficult and it's difficult for anyone but I think I wasn't seeing the roles there. And then, well, I went through what was a very painful divorce. And as part of that, you know, Slackline was kind of born. I felt like I couldn't be quite as lax because I wasn't in this relationship anymore. And I wasn't being lax, but it was like, I'm an actress who's not getting roles. I could whine about it, but I had other things going on, yeah. both career-wise and, well, just life-wise. And once my relationship came to a screeching halt, it was like, I can't just sit back and hope this happens for me anymore. And interestingly, I guess for me, I've really enjoyed trying to make opportunities for other women because maybe part of that thing I said at the beginning, but I really like, I like when I have a party, I really like being in the kitchen <laughs> and I kind of, you mm-hmm. and you do great you experience, <laughs> but it's like when I'm in the kitchen, it gives me time to warm up at the beginning. So I kind of yes. spend my time being a little bit on the outskirts. And I realized this about myself because I think, you know, I'm a real extrovert and everything. I'm not. And I think it's kind of the same with Slackline where sometimes I'll like, you know, pop myself in one of the shows or I'll get to do a little work that we're producing. Mm-hmm. But I'm really, really enjoying actually being a voice of strength for women, I think. And I think that's why I kind of love the idea of this podcast too, because I want to show as many people that will listen. I want to scream out and show as many people that will listen that women have not disappeared because they've become 35 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or whatever. And just because, you know, women have raised a family or because they've started out in a job that was a responsible job, quote unquote responsible, Mm -hmm. another government thing, um, you know, yeah. there's there are women that want to retrain, but they want to retrain in these jobs that they've dreamed of their whole lives. Oh, yes, not jobs that because they're the right financial things to do. You know, we've grown up, we've gotten brave enough to say, "Yeah, okay, I'm not going to just settle for something that I'm not willing to do anymore." Yeah, and and, and I think you're right. This business and lot of businesses, we don't retire; we just keep going. <laughs> and so. You know, the thing about, and the thing about obviously the retirement age going up, but so why not? You know, we're living longer. Why not be what we want to be? And I think also it's important to realize that we're all living longer, but actually we have the chance to actually create the future. It's like taking that step. And I think what's great about you, 
is about your generosity, you know, because you know you're saying about you get some maybe in one of the plays or one of the, the productions, but you are you really do you're walking your talk and you really want you know women to actually be the best they can be and you know and I see that and you know your the, the the principles and the, the values behind flatlines are what I see in you. <laughs> That's such a nice thing to say. I feel really embarrassed now. <laughs> well, I'm just telling, I'm just, you know, um, I'm just telling you how it is. And I think sometimes we, you know, we don't say what we, you know, tell people what we really speak about them. And I think that's actually, I'm telling the truth. And I do think, coming back to that line, actually, do you think with COVID-19 um, and, you know, we're all doing things, things are happening online and you yourself did flatline the stories which were online and thinking on your feet, how are we going to put these on? So do you think because of um, the virus, this is going to give more women more chances or do you think it's going to pull us back in terms of being in the background? I'm just throwing that out there as a controversial statement. I hope it certainly doesn't pull us backwards anywhere. Like I said, I think we're already moving forward. I think, you know, Slackline is a very, very small cog in a very, very big wheel of people that are trying to that are trying to make things an even playing field, I guess. Yeah, I really don't even know how to answer that question. I think it's pulling back everyone in a certain sense, you know, with theaters being closed. And it's not just theaters, you know, musicians were hugely highlighted in a very... Mm-hmm. Yeah. annoying and negative way. But as a creative industry in general, I think the creative industry is suffering. But because we are the creative industry, it's amazing to see what people are coming up with. I mean, it was rough at first seeing, you know, some of these like choirs and orchestras and things practicing on Zoom and not quite getting it. And But people are figuring it out. Yeah. And I think people are coming back together where we can as well and putting things on in socially distanced ways that work. But I don't think it'll be so much an issue for women, I guess. I think it's how we all come back together. And hopefully, because everyone who's creative is working together to make the best industry we possibly can, Mm -hmm. everyone will come back more. The word diverse is a difficult one because I don't think that it's always the best word to use. But yeah, that hopefully we work, we'll come back stronger, no matter what your gender, sexuality race it doesn't matter you know because we're all pulling together to be a little bit a little bit work a little bit differently and hopefully that makes us all stronger i'm gonna throw something at you i should i I didn't warn you but (laughs) Um, one of the things that you know obviously when you're younger and uh you know you were going and you wanted to you know you're acting and you were doing your proper things and being doing the right thing was there a role that you said, I always want to play that role, I want to play that role? Because I know, you know, when you're young, you're thinking, I want to be Juliet, I want to be this, I want to be whatever. Was there a role that you wanted to play? Well, when I was really young, I loved doing musical theatre. Yeah. As, as I feel like then I just loved the singing and dancing part. So I just had so much fun. It was so fun. Yeah. But now, and even then, I think in a certain way, I love villainous characters. I think there's nothing better. And if I could have the dream career, it'd be somebody like Tilda Swinton, who is always, her roles are so, they're always kind of weird. And, you know, she's played villains. She's played these quirky characters. Suddenly she has this spray tan and you don't even recognize her. So as a kid, probably just, I wanted to sing and dance around and that kind of thing. But yeah, as an adult, I just want to do weird things. You've answered the question that 
because that was the second question, that was the, the other side of the coin I wanted to say. So where are those parts, what are those parts? You just actually said it. And I think that's the thing that you have a specific thing when you're growing up. I want to be this. And then you realize there's so much more. And that's what being a creative person is. It's not just saying, I'm, this is my box. It's about, there's so many sides of us as women, as, you know, human beings. So it's actually about getting out there and exploring that. And I just think, is what you just said is exactly oh my god that is her you know and exactly in that i think the element of surprise is about being brave and the beauty of being a creative an actor or a performer is that it's about bringing it out and actually showing that to people and i think you know that's amazing the other thing too is i used tilda swinton because she's somebody who's become famous this way but i think mm-hmm. that the thing that has always appealed to me most and this is even back probably by university maybe not high school mm-hmm. but I love art house movies that, you know, they're, they're well made and they're these incredible stories, but they're maybe not the blockbusters we all know that, you know, yeah. everybody has heard of these people. Yeah. I want to play somebody multifaceted and fascinating. And yeah, that's the dream. You have, you have both sides of it. Yeah. You? Both sides of it. So I'm going to ask you, um, you're going to be giving career advice to somebody who's done your journey. They're sitting there thinking, oh, this is what I want to do. What would you say? So what was the first thing that you would say to that person? I wouldn't say a woman, but anybody who's saying, right, here I am now. I want this dream. Life is unpredictable. We've got the virus. We've got all these things. What would you say to them? It's weird because, of course, my first instinct is to say, you know, follow your dreams and do what you... (laughs) There's nothing that I would necessarily give up. Yes, I wish I could have been maybe brave enough to just admit the fact that I wanted to try acting from the beginning, or maybe there's still so many things I want to do. I'm still maybe not brave enough to try some of the the writing things I'd like to do because I'm like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know the story. I just want to promote other people's stories. So I don't know if I would say necessarily that it's this kind of cliche, live your dream, but I think it's probably more something like don't give up and you know, life will take you sometimes in in ways you don't expect. My life has changed very dramatically quite a few different times in ways I didn't always expect. One of the things I said when I moved to London was, I want to start actually planning my life, you know, really saying, this is what I'm doing next. This is what I'm doing next. Guess what? Still ain't happened that way. So (laughs) maybe it's more like, um, don't forget your dreams, but be willing to go with the curveballs because they're going to happen. Yeah. I actually did goal setting this year. (laughs) <laughs> in January. So did I. And I was so excited. I was like, 2020 is my year. Woo! <laughs> I, it was going to be the best year for well, Slightly. It was going to be the best year for my own personal acting. I was going to take this year by storm. Did you have your vision board and everything? <laughs> I, I, think, I think mine was more in a pack. Um, well, I actually went on a retreat. This is, yeah, I went on a retreat with a bunch of different women who all have these amazing goals. And we've all gone, mm, it's turned out a little differently than we expected. <laughs> But life hands you curveballs. Exactly. And it's how you, and it's resilient. And actually, I think one of the main things I've, I've noticed from you in this conversation, but also I know about you, you've got to have some humor and you've got to laugh at it. Marcia, I have to say the one other thing too is about the curveball. I mean, I've mentioned because I can't tell my story without talking a little bit about the fact that I went through this divorce. It's not a major factor in my life anymore, other than if it hadn't happened, we wouldn't be sitting here talking. It's not something I would have ever wished to happen. But my life has changed so much. And, you know, Slackline and the second chapter, and maybe they would have eventually happened. But yeah, so much has come out of this. And it's and it's a curveball that, you know, I just had to kind of reach over a little further to catch it than I expected. 
<laughs> oh, I, love, I love that. Reach over further. I would have to catch. I love that. I'm going to remember that. I just that. made that, that up. Really. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Woo, woo, woo. No, but that's great. I love it. You see. Is there anything else? I think we've... No, I just have to say, I know we're talking about turning the tables, but you have such an interesting story yourself. So now that we've had so much fun, Marcia will be back. I'm going to make her come and go into the hot seat with me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, see now, I I was... This might be braver because I was going to throw something at you and I'm thinking, now you just said that, but I'm still going to throw at you, right? Because we're coming to the end. So, right, you loved your musical theatre and I know you're a really good rapper. Kristen can rap. I have to say that. I want you to tell me what is your anthem at this moment. If you, if we were going out with a big anthem about you now, what would that song be? Um, I like big butts and I can't remember that. <laughs> okay. My, my anthem, I have a few that obviously, you know, when I really need to feel strong, I, I pull yeah. them up. But I think Sia has got quite a few. It's not a real, <laughs> but Sia has got quite a few that, that really appeal to me, like um, Titanium, you know, I am Titanium. <laughs> or um, Bird Set Free. I mean, she's got all these things that when I listen to them, it makes me do like my power runway walk. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah I'm going to smash this. Actually, it was another one of hers because I recently did my first sort of triathlon type race in a while. And I just, the whole, the whole race, I had it in my head because I was like, nothing is going to stop me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't stop me because I'm having a good time. Having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I went from sea to queen, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. And obviously, I hope people listening learn a little bit more about you and what a lovely, wonderful, warm person you are. And the trailblazer going out there and doing it. And, and, and good luck with Slackline and the podcast and everything. Lovely to talk Thank to you. Thank you, Marcia. This was so fun. I can't wait to do it with the tables turned. And I'm going to make you rap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make sure I know my anthem. Thanks again for listening. The second chapter is just getting started, so your subscriptions and five-star reviews mean so much. The second chapter is brought to you by Slackline Productions, a production company dedicated to redressing the balance of women's stories being told and who's telling them, with a specific focus on women 35+. For more about Slackline, visit slacklineproductions.co.uk. Thanks again.